how do you guys think you were so successful at Marquee? What made you guys so successful? Because we leased up that building, like we were in newspaper articles, like record-breaking history of leasing up a building. And, um, and it was because our property manager was so smart. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Rise and Invest podcast. I bought my first two properties as a 19-year-old with my own money that I earned from an online business I started in high school. I've now grown my portfolio from that first duplex to hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. My goal with this show is to give you the resource I wanted when I first started out. Subscribe to our podcast where I break down real-life stories, tactics, strategies, and current market information you need to be a successful investor. All right, welcome to the Rise and Invest podcast. I'm Drew Brenneman. With me today is Stephanie Spenner. Welcome. Good morning. Happy to be here. Great. Yeah, Stephanie's the team lead and real estate broker with Maven at Compass. She specializes in apartment rentals and turning renters into first-time home buyers. So I wanted to have her on today. Just kind of pick her brain really more from like the landlord owner perspective, what she's seeing. Because, you know, a lot of us, like we own buildings, but we're not... Um, you know, we're not we're not there every day, you know, we're, and we're not talking to our renters every day. Whereas for you, these are your clients. You're in and out of the buildings like you have like the on the ground knowledge. So, yeah. Happy to have you on. Yeah. I I mean, I've been in Chicago for a little over six years and I um, I look when I first moved here, I didn't bring a car or anything. So I just biked all over the city and I just I feel like I know all the different neighborhoods like the back of my hand and all the buildings. Um, and I know when the new ones are coming up and. So yeah, got a good grip on the rental community of Chicago. Yeah, nice. And how did you get started in real estate even? I started in residential property management um, when I was 18 uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And that I just learned that that was my passion. I just felt like I got so lucky to find something that I loved to do. And I finished college at UW-Milwaukee and then... Um, I eventually came to Chicago and did the lease up at Marquee at Block 37, which was in 2016. It was 690 units uh, coming to the loop of Chicago, which was not exactly like where people live. The loop is a financial district, essentially business district. So um, it was challenging, but we found all the ways to overcome those objections. And we leased up the property in 13 months, uh, 690 units. Um, at Marquis. So then from there, there wasn't another b big building like that coming, opening in Chicago, and I, I need a challenge. And so that's when I started my own brokerage, became independent where I could show every building in Chicago. So now I, I'm a leasing agent that I could show any single property in the city and the properties pay me to bring them renters, like the client never pays me. So, and then eventually a year, two, three, those, those renters are asking about buying. So then I get my broker's license so that I never leave money on the table and can be able to help everyone. Great. But I, I will say that like renting, like rentals are my favorite. Like it's just so much fun to me. And like, I don't want to put this out in the universe, but like the sales side of things is just, just not as fun. It's just not as fun. I like doing rentals. I love, and I don't know if that's because it's what I'm really good at. And that's, I'm an expert. I consider myself, but the rental side is way more fun. Yeah. And so what, what's more fun about it for you is like, it's very fast paced. I'd yeah. Say. It's very fast paced. It's, I can do like have a lot of clients. I can juggle a lot of clients at once. Whereas like sales, like I feel like I can only have like two buyers at a time. 
to make sure I'm giving them my full attention because there's so many pieces of the puzzle where it's like I feel like I'm super in control with my renters. There's there's not all these people involved um, outside of just working with the on-site team of each building, which definitely is challenging um, at most times. Um, but I think the satisfaction that the renter has in the end with my services and expertise of finding like matchmaking is essentially like what a leasing agent should be doing. Yeah. And, um, and the, the, the gratitude and the satisfaction that the renter expresses to me in the end and throughout the process is just like, it feels so good. Nice. Yeah. And you don't have to wait about, worry about a physical inspection or finance agency. Yeah, or- exactly. You just have to wait eight months to get paid by the buildings. Yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I'm. Uh, that's, that's a big issue. I mean, like buildings, and we, as as independent contractors, we don't have anything to, like, nothing to ground our payments and stuff. So, like, there's nothing that says you have to pay this by sixty days. So, like, the buildings, they just pay us whenever, and it's like to the point where, like, some buildings, they don't, they don't, they're consistently not paying us. So it's like I'm I'm not working with that building anymore. I can't take a I can't take a client there if you're not going to pay me yeah. when I did my job. Right. Or you got to wait six months for it after yeah. they move in. So then, in general, let's say what just for context, then like what price points and areas are you are you working? Um, I would say so. Well, one, I am a lead generator, so we just get leads that like pour through every day. You know, at least. 30 leads probably a day between myself and who I recently made a co-lead of my team, Kyra Button, who is a lead generator as well. So we have a bunch of different price ranges. What I work with versus like what my team works with is different. So like for me, it's like one bedrooms, I'm working at $2,800 or higher. Two bedrooms, it's like $4,000 or higher. Three bedrooms, it's like $6,000 or higher. Um, And four bedrooms are like, you know, 10 grand. Yeah. Um, I, I just studios. want the, yeah, the context. So if you're yeah. listening in another area, these are essentially the rents in these, like, you know, the downtown parts of Chicago at these nicer high rise like buildings. High-rise, yeah. Yeah. So just for context, so we'll talk about amenities, different things today, but just to want to just like set the stage, you know, cause if you're listening and you're specializes specializing in, let's say like, you know, uh, $1,200. Half two- the price of yeah. what I just said. Yeah. And we're talking about complete, we're talking about where I came from in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, like on college campus, like renting shitholes. No, <laughs> talking about luxury properties with like all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Just for a context. Cause yeah. then we're, if we were to talk about like your package room needs refrigeration, like that's, you know, that's at a certain price, you know? So that's, uh, yeah. which I haven't, I haven't got there as an owner yet, or even needed to sell for that yet. Um, but nice. And what's funny, too, we're from the same part of Wisconsin, actually. Who uses a, a rental agent then uh, primarily? Um, I would say busy professionals and people who have who do not know the market at all. Someone that's relocating and someone that is just a busy professional that doesn't have the time to sort through thousands of options and figure out, you know, and then they can just tour a hand, like the best ones versus like touring 25 buildings when only five of them have laundry in the unit right. and they have to have laundry in the unit. Yeah. And it wasn't like clear and you didn't ask and you didn't know until you got there. You yeah. wasted an hour of your time. Right. And those, yeah. And those are things you would already know. Yeah. And right. Cause I, when I moved, I relocated to Chicago and on that, the first uh, one or two, like I used a rental agent where it wasn't, um, 
you don't know like the area, you know, yeah. for one. So it's a tremendous value even just for that, let alone like it's faster, but just even like, I think I know where I want to be, but like you live here, you do this every exactly. day. You've it's really like the knowledge of the market too. And a lot of people like are like, oh, I want to live in Lincoln Park. I want to live in Lincoln Park. I want to live in Gold Coast. And I'm like, you say that, but you also say, I want a brand new unit. I want a, like X, Y, and Z. And uh, like these, I have to be the expert and give them the knowledge of the market, which is Lincoln Park and Gold Coast are older neighborhoods. Most of the buildings don't have laundry in the unit. If that's like the most important thing for you, then we have to look at other areas. Come check out this area that feels just like Lincoln Park, but it's has everything that you want in this in your price range with laundry in the unit in a luxury, uh, like a new luxury building. Yeah, right. It's or just a matter of shifting people and um, letting them understand. Because a lot of people too are like, oh, my dad said not to live over there. I'm like, when was the last time your dad was in Chicago? Like 10 years ago, even a year ago. The thing, like Chicago changes dramatically, like quarter by quarter, month by month. I mean, there's 6,000 units coming to West Loop right in the neighborhood we're sitting in right now. And it's just, so even with those 6,000 units, they're not gonna all open in 2022. So it's like 2022 is gonna be different from 20, like right. it's just um, when you think you know something, like you, you have to double check stuff, yeah. even within a matter of a couple months because Chicago just, it's awesome how much we add to the skyline every, all the time yeah and that that makes total sense because some of these neighborhoods and some and a broker actually threw me off on a deal to buy and we were in wicker park and he was talking about how man 10 years ago i've been scared to be here this was probably said it 10 years ago now this is, time's going by quickly but he would have been afraid and it was interesting to hear that because then all the stuff we bought over there we crushed it on because it's just continued to get yeah. nicer and nicer now it's an established neighborhood price basically the same price over there as you know the neighborhoods that have been nice for like 30 years like Lincoln yeah. Park so yeah and same thing like South Loop like people think they they people think South Loop they think South Side and it's just not right it's high rise like I'm yeah. like come and I drag yeah. them with me come with me and then boom they're like moving in in a second from River North that they're like never would live in South Loop you don't know it. You don't know South Loop until you go there. Right. <laughs> have you been there? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of those buildings, they have nice views, like up the park. Like well, Nima I mean, those. so 2019, 4,300 apartments came to the market in Chicago and 48% of those were in South Loop. I lived in South Loop like four years ago before that. And I was just loving it, talking about, talk, hyping it up. I just, it's such a great area. And then boom, like the next year, you know, 2,000 units came. Right. Nima, Essex on the park, the Paragon. And yeah. Yeah. No, that's that makes a lot of sense. So then primary, let's say client year is someone they're they're busy. They're not familiar with the market they want or they're moving from another area like that. What? Um, and uh, the big a really big one, too, is um, virtual clients. So I have a lot of people that cannot come to Chicago before they move here. So that's a great way to like connect with a, a broker, a leasing agent like myself, who can tour you through the property virtually. So I can do FaceTime tours, video tours. We do Matterport video walkthrough. We can do five times the amount of tours in a day because they're virtual tours. And I don't have to meet with a listing leasing agent on site for them to take an hour to show the building, which is fine. But maybe they're showing stuff that my client doesn't care about, which is always the case. Yeah. Not to mention we have to find parking in the loop. Are you kidding? Like not happening. 
and then it's just a waste of time and you're and like you're caught like let's not waste these people's time and that's that's what i love that's what i feel like my job is like look you're calling me so I'm gonna just like do this in less than 24 hours. I'm gonna do all the work for you. You're gonna pick your top three. You're gonna meet me at the first property. We're gonna be done in like two hours. We're gonna see three to four buildings in two hours in person. But just going back, it's um, I think uh, my services are also most beneficial to someone that is needs to relocate here virtually. And um, maybe they've never been to Chicago, maybe they've been here once, maybe they visit all the time, but they're overseas for whatever reason. And they're like, I need to sign a lease today to move in in September, and I'm not gonna be there before September, you know? Right, because so. if you're just gonna try to do that from overseas with the buildings, they're they're just gonna like sugarcoat everything for you. Like, <clears> they're biased, of yeah, course. We won't you know? show you the cemetery They're either next door. biased, we'll or this. I'm sorry, but their presentation could use help. Like these on-site teams that are presenting virtual tours are not doing the property justice and they're not giving the best first impression. First impression is everything. And you're going to say, hey, nice to meet you on a FaceTime tour. And they're going like this the whole time. And you're like, oh, yeah. look at this face. And like, And they're like, I can't see. I can't see. And like you're pointing it at your face actually. Or like it's yeah. not even the right, you know, dimensions because it's either like 0.5 or it's too close or, yeah. you know, and. It's just like if all the buildings could use one software for virtual tours or have one virtual exclusive virtual brokerage okay. there you go. to do all the work like that, we can be just closing so many more deals, giving way more first impressions. And then the, yeah, the onsite team just focuses on keeping the building maintained and keeping those current residents happy. Yeah. So then you you see where when you see let's say it's like the property managers also doing the leasing that or this is an on-site full-time leasing person you're talking about kind of both. Yeah. Really, I I truly think that that's like the biggest the biggest problem right now is that like so many people are disappointed in the transaction like the the client the renter which is the most important thing is disappointed from not having a good first impression then not getting a follow-up email from the property because the property is too busy then not getting um oh they they put their application and not hearing from the property for three days because they're busy they've submitted an application like don't you want to close like get yeah. the lease to them as soon then they then they approve them then they wait a week to get the lease three weeks to get the lease a lease takes two minutes to type up Essentially, the client could type it up themselves because it's, yeah, it's a, a lot Chicago of the, standard lease. A lot of the software. So it, it just, just seems like the efficiency like could be highly improved on so many levels. And everyone could be more happy if we separate property management from leasing. And you have the property management team. They are there to keep the current residents happy and to make, make sure everything runs smoothly there and maintains the building to its highest quality. The so, oh, new person's moving in. That's now your person as the property manager. They're now not mine anymore at that moment. They're now your renter. They're moving in with you. So you take it from here. Make sure they move in smoothly. Right. Not, oh, the elevator wasn't reserved for me and the loading dock is blocked off and my truck had to go around the corner a million times. Like they're only focusing on making sure that resident moves in smoothly, making sure they have a great first impression their unit would be perfectly clean when they move in not oh you know how many times i have residents say my unit like clearly wasn't clean before 
I moved in. And these are professionally managed buildings that it's yeah. not like a private listing that of course that could happen all the time, but not a prof- professionally managed luxury building that I'm paying $3,000 a month for a one bedroom. And I move in and there's like clearly like pictures of the previous residents in the drawers. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. Cause we, we have implemented on our small, on our deals aren't the size like the, the buildings are going to, yeah. they're let's say six units to 72. Yeah. So there's no onsite staff. This is, we're talking the stuff that I own in Chicago, yeah. but we're, we're doing what you're talking about where we hire out the leasing. We have, um, you know, we're, we, and most of it, we're hiring out a lot of the property management, but they, within that company have it separated where there's people only do leasing. They don't do any property management. So then that's, so it makes sense. Cause I've seen people who are managing smaller deals implement this. And it's when you get to the bigger ones where people start going, well, we have full-time staff. Let's yeah. just add another but here's one the or thing, put though, them like on where, and, and I get what you're saying, but just to be clear with these like professionally managed buildings, we're talking 200, we're talking 180 units minimum to up to 500, 700, 800 units. And they have a property management team and they have a property manager depending on the size of the building, they'll have a say it. So at Marquee, we had 690 units. We had a property manager and an assistant property manager, and we had four leasing agents, including myself as a leasing manager. And that's a bad example. Um, but just numbers wise, that's kind of what the team is looking at. Right. And so the, they have the property manager and the assistant property manager, but then they have their leasing agents and their leasing agents are supposed to be doing the leasing, but then they're like cut, caught up doing so many more things and they're not actually just doing leasing those leasing agents who are part of the property management team it really needs to be like completely separated like hire a brokerage a brokerage that does leasing to do the leasing of the building and then pass it off to the property management team that only does property management Right. And then we have a smooth process. Yeah. And, Mar- and efficient. And Marquee was set up that way probably because they're doing a lease up. And, and you know, but a lot of people would be like, okay, I'll buy Marquee. And then I, I just really need like one or two leasing agents on payroll. That's what they did. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. And then those, they they're not really incentivized. Like it's mostly just salary, you know, a little bonus for leasing a unit. But you're going to eventually rent them all anyways, you know, once you cut the price or whatever you need to do. So that's where, so I get what you're saying, where you're, um, way more incentivized to push it along and are only thinking about leasing. Yeah. So, and I think that's where like people would always say like, how do you guys think you were so successful at marquee? What made you guys so successful? Cause we leased up that building. Like we were in newspaper articles, like record breaking history of leasing up a building. And, um, and it was because our property manager was so smart because she did, she's the property manager queen does all the lease ups. She separated those things. She was the property manager. I was the leasing manager. Yeah. I handled all the leasing stuff. She trusted me. I, I, I didn't have to have her approve it too. I approved my stuff. And when it was done, then it moved on and they handled the like rent, like collecting the rent, handling resident complaints, doing resident events and making sure the building was like always presentable and looking fresh. And they had on that side, they had a move in coordinator. So then, but just now to back up a sec. So, to the buildings pay for the service so as a as a potential client you know renter that would use you there's no there's no cost to you so this is something the building has in their budget that they pay for when someone comes with a broker they've already got it in their numbers yep. where we'll pay them something yep it's in the yep it's right in there in their numbers um and yeah the properties pay 
I always say to the client, to the renter, I'm like, my job is to take the stress out of the move and to do all the work for you. I know all the buildings like the back of my hand from Uptown to South Loop, Schroederville to Logan Square, and the properties pay me to bring them renters. You never pay me. Yep. Yeah. And all and the luxury buildings are all used to that. It's in, and some of these smaller ones where, you know, landlords where they're not they, they might not have it in their budget, but we're not, and then they're, you know, uh, not every every deal. You might they just don't see think or, about it, I think, you know, yeah. they, they don't think about it or they're not from here, you know, or they don't live here or whatever. Like in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I'm from, we don't have brokers like me. They don't exist. Like and so we would never know to pay someone a broker fee because we right. don't we don't have that, you know. Um, but my point where I was going was at a certain price point, then it becomes super common. So the advice we're giving on like as a renter, you can get like all the luxury buildings you already know, the buildings already have this budgeted for. And then kind of as you um, if you're trying to just rent from like a random person who owns one unit off of Zillow or whatever, and then you want to bring your broker, maybe they've never heard of that. They're from Milwaukee, too. You know, but this is talking more about like the yeah. higher end buildings where it's already in there. Yeah, because as an owner, like if you're only thinking about cash flow, okay, yeah, maybe you can save this cost, you know, but you have to, you know, the cost of a leasing agent and rent it yourself, but that's assuming you rent it just as quickly and at the same price, and that's not guaranteed. So on a lot of the, on all the small deals, we still use leasing agents, this, I'm referring to my buildings now, this, because we, we basically have no days of vacancy ever. Like we just, you, the tenants moving out, June 30th, we're, we have a new tenant moving in July 1st and we're doing a, like a 12 hour turnover of the unit. And like, so yeah, we paid a commission on that, but we had no vacancy and we got the rent we wanted. So like you can, so that's one thing where a lot of people, and then that has a lot of other effects too. Now my building's worth more or yep. so if I want to sell it, I'll exactly. get more. Or if I want to refi, if I want, I could get a larger loan amount or that might help me get a lower rate. So yeah, so I, I, I get it because I'm like on. And that's just a domino effect. I mean, if you do that for the right, do it right the first time, then that just means you can just keep building equity and keep pulling out and buying more buildings if you just keep them full and do it right the first time. I'm all about just do it right the first time. Why even question it? You know, this right. is the Chicago market. Chicago works with brokers. Like, that's how it works here. And like, you have to just deal with it like yeah a you lot can't of you can't live without brokers like we fill up the buildings um but not not every market is like that yeah and so i'd say in this especially here if you want to get the highest price you know you want to expose it to the most people mm -hmm. so like all our yeah. units for rent we put it on the mls and then we want to make sure everyone sees it and if the person who rents it has a broker that's fine we pay because we want to make sure we're having the least vacancy and highest rent and then that if you're just thinking on what's my cash flow this year sure one month that's like eight percent of a, a year's rent if you think you could um rent it for the same amount just as fast like okay you saved eight percent that year but most of the time that doesn't actually work that way it's going to be empty for a month or something and then it's like your one month you paid you lost in rent anyways yep Exactly. So, yeah, that's how we've approached it. And then but in a lot of these higher end buildings, it's like it's just almost everyone's got one seemingly. So yeah. or there's, you know, and they're all also offering other it's like during lease up too, they need a team. So like that's also super common and what you were starting to get into with uh, with the, the deal in the loop. Um, 
why am I blanking on the name of that building we were talking about? Marquee. <laughs> Marquee. Yeah. They, um, you know, like you, you are going to go through a whole lease up. So then you got to have in your budget to pay for that with a, you know, incentives to move in and for the four people who are working there full time, yeah. like they need to be paid. So, but to explain it in terms of staffing. So then we have a 200 unit building. If you were the owner, how would this be staffed for, for management and leasing? 200 unit building, you need a property manager and assistant property manager and that's it. You maybe you probably don't even need an assistant property manager. And then you have an exclusive brokerage team that works for that exclusively lists and markets and leases your units there. And then who's doing the tenant screening in that? Um, who either either people can do it. Um, in my opinion, the building should do it. Um, the property manager would be doing it because they're representing the I think listings. So too. I they are that. the listing side. I'm the buyer's agent and I'm bringing the renter. I'm the buyer's agent. The property manager is the listing agent. So they need to be approving what the owner agrees to approve on a, mm -hmm. an approved application based on the criteria. And who would who would be listing the ads then uh, online, let's say? So that's where the the brokerage would be listing the ads. That's where, so the we brokerage- would be, Like if it was Maven on, if my team Maven, of 16 agents were helping, we're doing, we're working exclusively with a building. That means that Maven is exclusively listing, marketing, and leasing the property. And the property manager, you you only need, you probably only need one person for a 200 unit building. Maybe a property manager and like a resident concierge. That's what we would call it. That resident concierge makes sure they move in properly. They host little events. They do little things like that. And the property manager is screening the applications, approving them, and getting the lease out to them. Yeah, because a rule of thumb in terms of like for a lot of owners use is on a, a hundred units, it's one, one in, eight. one out. You know, so one person that's a property manager in the office, and then one maintenance person yeah. that's the out. And then that you got to it's a smaller unit count that a person can handle in these luxury buildings because they're just expecting so much for what they're yeah. paying. But yeah, to your point, a lot of places they'd have one property manager and then one leasing person let's say on 200 units but your thought is you could you don't even you you replace the leasing manager with like a concierge and then the in-house property management staff all they're doing is approving apps and then who's doing the lease signing they they are and then they're gonna the property manager would approve the applications and send out the leases because they're they need to make sure all that information is correct on the lease because then they're going to be fully executing yeah. it in the end so they, there would be a property manager and there would be a resident concierge, like a resident coordinator. And a resident coordinator is not paid as much as a leasing agent on site would be paid, plus their commission. You're paying them a little bit of commission, plus you're paying a broker commission on a lot on most deals. And um, our rule of thumb was that you have one leasing agent per 100 units. So at Marquee, we started with five leasing, five leasing agents, and one of them was let go after a couple months. But we... Yeah. so. Yeah, just as you start, we don't have 700 units for anymore. Now we're down to no. He just didn't perform oh, okay. at all. He was let go in two months, Got and it. then I became the leasing manager. So, so really, just three people rent leased up to there was four. Six. Okay, instead of five. Got it. Yeah. Okay, but there should have been probably six because we had 690 units. But are you kidding me? You're yeah. gonna have that many agents, and then think about this. Here's what I also want to make very clear. At Marquee, we had 690 units. We had four leasing agents, and everyone needs a day off they need two days off so 
a lot of days there's only three agents there or maybe two agents. How many tours a day can I take in an eight hour day? Right. Less than eight. So we're limited on the weekends. That, like, well, sure. I'm just saying in one day with two agents on site in a 690 unit building, I can only take less. I can take 16 tours if I took one tour every hour on the hour for the whole eight day shift. 16 tours. A broker can do more than like a brokerage team could be like if I have 16 agents, all 16 of us could be showing that building at once. We could all 16 of us be showing it virtually at once and we can be, I mean, just closing triple the amount of deals. The fact that I have to meet with a leasing agent, I have to call, try to schedule it. No, that doesn't work. No, we're booked. No, we're booked. No, we close at four. Oh, we're closed on Saturdays. Oh, we're closed on Sundays. Right. Oh, we close at four on Fridays. Like now you're like when, when my team is up, my clients are up. My clients like to tour early and late. So if I can show the building at 7 p.m., awesome. And that's what's great with the, you know, some buildings are now catching on to this and we've done, um, we've had a couple exclusives now. So like right now I have an, right after this, I have a showing at an exclusive property, luxury property in the loop where I just go and I can show it anytime I want. I can show it anytime I want. They trust me. They know I have the best interest for the building and I'm going to close deals. So I get to show it and take 20 minutes to show it instead of an hour and didn't have to like wait for the person to confirm the showing and try to go back and forth with our all of our schedules like where like the leasing outside leasing helps i think is the speed where the four people yeah. you, your point's good on that where the four people uh that are working full-time right they can only do so many showings there they have off whereas with a hiring a brokerage team like now there can be potentially if needed 16 people at the property on saturday yeah and then you guys and then and those are actually two then you those brokers have their own clients as well so it's not just you work at the building and i just i just answer the phone when people inquire or respond to emails this is you like now you stephanie you have clients that when their lease is over they they want to move they've already been there for a year or two and they're asking you where to go yeah well you're gonna tell them i have this really cool deal and lease up you know, we have an exclusive on it. You should yeah, check it out. Exactly. I mean, we so. have our, I mean, our lead gen alone, that like email list that we have is huge. So that's a whole nother thing that we can get into when I get my first dream, actual brand new lease up building that that's a huge tool that Maven has is this like huge email list that we can be blasting all of our previous leads, clients, renters, buyers, and letting them know about this new development. Yeah, I believe it. And you have a unique way of getting leads too. I mean, you want to talk about that with YouTube and everything? Yeah, I mean, social media is super powerful and it's how I built my whole entire team and it's how I built my business to, to where it's at today. And you don't have to have a YouTube channel, which is what I have now to, you know, to make uh, moves and to get and to become a lead generator. It's just about being like a people person and connecting with people in unique ways and engaging in unique ways through social media. And then somewhere along the way, I meet my partner, Stephen Caban with Live Shy TV and, and well, with Full Bars Media. Um, and he had this great idea to, you know, start a YouTube channel where I am doing what I do on a daily basis, but showing 
everyone, the whole world or whoever wants to watch it. So each episode shows one luxury property in the city, luxury rental property in the city. And I walk you through what it's like to live there and why you should live there versus anywhere else. And it's not just about the building too. It's about the lifestyle. And that's also a huge point that I want to make with separating leasing from property management as well. These leasing agents, like they only know that building. They, they don't even know or think to know anything about the area. Um, and sometimes they don't even know that building or the area. And I'm like, Oh, what's the closest grocery store? They're like, I have no idea, you know, or my, I'm not asking that my client asked that, you know, but that's, and that's what I always tell my team. I say, you guys, like, cause it's overwhelming to think, Oh my God, how am I supposed to know all of these buildings and bring my clients to these buildings I've never been to? I'm like, that's what the onsite team's job is. They are supposed to know everything about the building. So eventually you'll get there, but your job is to know about the neighborhood and the lifestyle and why that's good. That's a good fit for your, your specific client. Oh, they go to rush and they don't have a car and they are nurses from like weird hours like yeah you want to put them right there and that's why you know um and so my point is that as a apartment broker um leasing agent i am showing you i'm matchmaking you to not just a floor plan i'm matching you to a lifestyle lifestyle. yeah you know that makes perfect sense actually my girlfriend where she lives like the number one amenity she wanted is to be next to East Bank, which is like the best gym here, you know, so they that was so it's interesting, probably when she went to go see the building, who knows how much you're talking about East Bank, but she wanted to be like rain or shine. Winter is here. It's snowing like just make it easy to get out of the house, go to the yeah. gym. You know, that was like one of the number one uh, amenities. Yeah, and that's sure. what I say. I'm like, what's the most important thing for you? You know, and then that's the first thing I ask every renter that I work with. So, right. And yeah, and these buildings, it really is like a lifestyle choice where there's going to, you know, there's a lot of amenities there. There's restaurants, things you can walk to. It's a totally different deal than living in a lot of these other less urban places for sure. You know, you hear uh, a lot obviously from renters. So like, what are the reasons they're moving? You know, because as an owner, like if I can do anything to rent increases, okay, 30% rent increases, 20% rent increases. Is it normal to get a hundred? Is it normal to get a 50% rent increase? I'm like, Yes, you guys, we were paying nothing during COVID. Like we literally had free rent, basically. Like we were paying $1,500 for a studio in the Lowe's building. Like wow, that's never going to happen again. Also, everyone, we're never going to have 2.3% interest rates ever again. And they're not high right now. They're just high compared to COVID. Yeah. And COVID's never happening again. Like, so we just have to get out of the, into this new mindset and get through it. Yeah. And um and I was actually thinking the other day I paid up a lot on a loan to get down to a five and a half percent interest rate. And this was in two thousand nine. And we were like we never touched that rate again for like a few years. And now it's crazy to think like we're right around there and it's like a freak out time. Yeah. So whereas in two thousand nine we were you know, flexing on ba- people like, Hey, we just got the it. best yeah. rate ever. Yeah. Um, and then the next like five deals I did were all in the sixes. Yeah. And, and I are- just feel like just talking about that kind of stuff more and making people aware because we, I was never even thinking about buying something then, you know, and that, and I am my client right now, Yeah, but we're talking about renters, not buyers. So, yeah. um, rent increases is like the number one reason why people are moving. But also I think like Chicago attracts cer- a certain type of person 
And that is this person that is like, like me, I'm easily bored. I have to have like something different all around me at all times. And like, I'm just moving to the next best building. Like, I don't, I, I could, I could be so in love with my building and still want to move. Okay. Got like, it. Yeah. There's a better one coming. It's not, it's not even necessarily that it's better. It's just like switching up the community. You know what I mean? Okay. Switching up the amenities, the community, the pool. Like okay. yeah, I, I want a new, I want a different pool. Like it doesn't have to be new. I just want different, you know? And, oh, I lived here for two years. I haven't met a guy yet. Like how have I not met a, one of my hot neighbors yet? Yeah. Like I'm moving to the next building. Obviously no hot dudes live here. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. And I think that that's for sure was my mindset in in uh, college with like, you can't live anywhere for more than a year. Like yeah. I need to experience the campus and, and move around. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, why not carry that into it? Like if you're a renter, you're a renter. If you are a buyer, then you're staying in one spot. You know what I mean? Otherwise you're just moving around and Chicago has 77 different neighborhoods. So it's not even just about the building. It's about, Oh, I want to try a new neighborhood. You know what I yeah. mean? No, I know. And it's it's funny, too, sometimes where like a lot, some of the owners I know, they're like, it's such a hassle moving. I can't believe everyone moves like this. And it's funny because it's like you go, go in these units. A lot of people, they just have like a bed it's uh, not like a as a guy. It's like a one nightstand. And then I need a flat screen and a couch like that's it. Like it's, it's not, not a hassle. hassle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really not. Yeah. So. I so that's know. I was going to say the if uh, you live in a house and you're moving, of course, like it's a hassle. I'm sure you got like stuff hidden in the you know nooks and crannies that you right. forgot you know yeah our whole basement to clear out your garage yeah. all this stuff yeah no i know because i remind that of them all the time that and it's funny too as like um you know like when i was showing units this is when i was getting going as a landlord like i showed all my stuff until i had had moved and they were um like it's funny as their college rentals like the the guys they always gravitated like i need to see the living room make sure we can get like both of our couches in here you know and yeah. then uh you know girls never cared about that that was not what they needed you know but that was um started thinking about that with amenities like in student housing it's like uh yeah big living room and then big bedroom yeah it's and like so talking about that just shifting right away i mean i think um we should not just be talking about the actual like amenities in the common areas but like let's talk about the interiors of the units because like kitchens are everything and i think we need to give a little more thought there why would you not have a kitchen with an island like why are we even why is that even a thing yeah. nobody nobody does not want a kitchen island like and nobody does not want a pantry like put up where are they supposed to put their stuff i live in a penthouse with no pantry like where am i supposed to put my dry goods in a drawer down here like it, it yeah, just or just some you know and that's what like amily 808 like holy smokes they just like blew the blew me out of the water with um how much storage they put everywhere and like literally every wall has a closet can't uh kitchens are like full pantry on both sides but then so number one let's say amenity to think about as like an owner would be actually in the unit so storage and like then storage is number one i just we need more closets we need more pantries uh and the kitchen island is also storage and it also serves as a table so you can make your units like smaller because like if it doesn't have an island i need to be able to fit a dining room table um yep i know what you mean so yeah we and then um yeah, what else comes to mind? Front loading laundry. I think it depends on like what type of properties we're talking about here. But I think like if you're looking for luxury, um, 
that's what like that's what people are looking for is like full size front loading laundry versus like the the yeah. cheaper top ones. Um, yeah, and, you gotta like contort your body to get your laundry out of the yeah thing. I hit, I hit, my, I hit my head every time. Yeah, and I'm in a penthouse. Yeah, no front loading laundry. Um, and what's interesting now when you build a building like and you got to buy 300 of those, this is how these decisions get made. And then it's, totally. it's $250 cheaper just to go with the regular stackable. Then you do the math you're like, wow, that's like 70 grand in my pocket, 80 grand. If I just, just skip that, it's interesting. We've been replacing those with uh, front loaders because I, I guess when do we buy them one by one? It's like a easier to convince yourself like, oh, for 250 now they're getting an upgrade. Yeah. You know, but then if you're just going to fill it and sell it, if that's your, that's how these decisions get made. I mean, like Ani does like waterfall countertops, you know, okay, nice. and Bosch appliances and front loading laundry in every one of their units. They don't even do studio apartments because they don't want to attract that niche. Outdoor space is also important. So like Ani properties, like every one of their units has balconies. Um, so yeah. Like they, they have one property where some of their convertibles don't have um, balconies, but like all their one, two, three bedrooms have balconies. Um, uh, yeah, let's keep going. Like, garb, like these are silly things, but like garbage disposal, like a lot of older Chicago properties don't have garbage disposals. So that is important to have. Um, and like roller shades on the windows. These are things that are like, yeah, it's easier to not pay it now and cut corners. But again, it depends on like what your end goal is with, with the investment property or, um, with property management or. Yeah. But then it, from renters, you'll hear like, I don't, I, this unit didn't have a garbage disposal. Let's keep looking. So I moved out of one building because I couldn't live with not having the garbage disposal anymore. I was like, man, I would stay here forever, but like it doesn't have a garbage disposal and I yeah. cook all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it might seem like very unusual to 50% of people because 50% of people aren't used to ever having that in their life, whether they just were always lived in older buildings or they're from another yeah. country or state that like they don't even exist. Yeah. But at these price points now, it's like, I, you know, people are expecting Here's a certain level. A good way to put it. If you want, so people are going to always move to the next building and next building. But if you want them to stay there as long as possible, then do it right the first time and put in good, like really nice stuff. You yeah. Know? Don't cut corners. Yeah. Um, and it just made me think like, well, maybe they don't want them there forever, you know, but you can still increase their rent, you know, every year. Yeah, and, they, no, and they do, they and do want like, them. And if you do it the right way, they'll stay and then you don't have to ever have a vacancy. And, yeah. you know, even like some properties like NEMA, they'll allow a two year lease. And if you do that option, you're um, you're agreeing to a three percent increase on the second year, like yeah, in that sense. lease. Yeah. So like that's awesome. If I if yeah. like I already know it's only three percent, like, yeah, you that's a smart in. thing for a property manager to to do, I think. And that's too. really good for NEMA because now like there's no commission to pay again. Exactly. And then also turning the unit over. That's a huge expense. Exactly. Painting and cleaning. It's like another one month's rent. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Like as the owner, the biggest costs really are after your property taxes, usually, you know, it's like turnover leasing related, you know, even more than regular repairs like that yeah. can all marketing plus turnover can get can get um, I guess if it's paid for all separately. Obviously, if you have people working there like that would be yeah. your biggest or second biggest cost all the payroll but, but yeah, yeah like that, you said with like the wire racks i mean like come on why why you gotta do that to me just yeah just build it out 
you know yeah i know but i, I get it saying. it's probably a quarter of the cost to do the wire racks or it's, it's yeah, but it's, it's like how how yeah. long does that maintain i mean like how many times does it get ripped out of the wall and then you have to repair that and like time is money and like yeah. you're paying that maintenance guy and then you probably have to buy a new rack and more yeah. like, screws and whatever and also like I have lived in my building for like a year and a half now and I just recently was like, oh, I should probably just ask if they can move the wire rack up and add another one. And they're like, of course, like, I mean, oh, really? like okay. they did it for me. But um, like, ask them to build why <laughs> didn't they do it to begin with? Like, why just have one in there? Like, and then people are like, oh, this closet's small. Like, if you have to go with okay. wire racks, do double them, like them double. up, okay. just like double them up right yeah. away. And okay. now I can have, now I can hang a lot more stuff. Yeah. I understand. Okay, nice. Yeah, so then think inside the units first on the amenity thing. Because one thing that I've always figured is, okay, these buildings, they have like all these things for, let's say, common area amenities, but though people barely use those things. You yeah. Know? They're not and using that's the truly movie like, theater or that's whatever. That's truly like a really big point to make. And like, but the thing is, like, they still want it. They want to have it as an option. Yeah. But I think we should focus more on the actual interiors of the apartments. Yeah, that if makes we're going to spend money, like spend it where it matters. Don't buy cheap ass doors where I can hear everything next door to me because the door is made of paper. Yeah. You know what I mean? My doors are so thick that I can barely open it like and they're nice and, you know, it's soundproof. I don't hear anything. I don't even hear when people knock on my door. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then, you know, so the 111 East Wacker West deal. Wacker. Uh, yeah, West. Yeah, that related has. Yeah, that um, they were. I'm sure that's super quiet. That deal. Super heavy doors. Yeah. Super quiet. But also, you want to know why? They actually that was going to be a hotel, so yep. all concrete. Yep. And then it got stopped in the GFC. 2005. Yeah, in the in it the just financial sat crisis. There yeah. For like, and they bought wasn't that. It? it was going to be a Shangri-La hotel. Yeah. And they bought it as just a concrete structure, and then they changed the plan. Like now yeah. we're going to build apartments there. So you got a deal. Um, so then that's like, to me, a huge selling point of that building. I've never seen anybody talk about, I mean, you may have, but like the floors are all concrete. Oh yeah, I do. So it's, I, yeah, like, yeah. cause that at least just like looking online, I'd be like concrete floors. That should be like the second bullet point Seriously, almost like, though. yeah, that's where, cause a lot of these things you can hear your neighbors up, down, across the way in the hallway where this is, was going to be a hotel quiet kind yeah, of thing. That building is a great example of like doing it right. It, the building has been open as an apartment building for like 12 years or something. And you walk in and you feel like it's brand new. Nice. It is this like classic, iconic, luxury, rich building that like every and like, I mean, it's probably views first. Everyone will yeah. pay for a view and everyone will pay for a nice kitchen, like and they updated kitchen, you know? Um, yes. They, they just lack the closet space, in my opinion, there. But. Interesting. Yeah, that's owned as far as I remember by a pension fund. They're gonna hold that like long term. So that's like also might be why there's no like flipping going on in that. Like it was built once nicely, then to sell, and then it's got a long term owner. Yeah. So they're just you know let's run it right. Yeah. So nice. Okay. Yeah, what houses are incredible there? Yeah. Let's talk about then like what sort of common area. Let's so then building amenities. What are people looking for then these days? I mean, people really just care about having like a really nice gym and a pool. Um, I think that I don't understand why every building doesn't have a hot tub. Like, interesting. I don't know. That's I don't not. know either, but it's like one Bennett park, like the, one, the most luxurious rental building in the city, like doesn't have a hot tub. Interesting. But Is they that, have an indoor pool and an outdoor pool. 
And then that is that. And the, their outdoor pool is like tiny. Is that the highest end rental building in yeah. Chicago now? Yeah. Okay, nice. I would say one Bennett is the number one. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great location. Super nice building. Yeah. And like anything related does is nice. They know what they're doing. Exactly. So. And think about it. Related, they develop, like they develop and manage their own buildings, and that's where it's. That's where I'd like to see people like focus more on that, like stick with like developing and managing it, the same people. And you just have like such a more seamless process and then separate like the property management and leasing. Yeah. And we just have like, to me, I just, I can see it. I can see someone seeing my vision and eventually like it officially changes with like these big buildings. I know some smaller buildings are doing it, but like when the bigger buildings do it, it's when you're really going to see the impact, you know? Yeah. And when I can do, 18 virtual tours in a day and you you barely got one tour in you know what i mean it's just like it's a no-brainer yeah i know it's actually it's nicer even when i so i'm a, a licensed broker here and so like i don't like if i'm looking for some on my own like say i want to buy a house like i'm i was just going on my own it was easier to just be like it's my schedule yeah and i'll just and uh, every house but one, the listing agent was like, cool, here's a lockbox. One, the guy really did a great job explaining like how this builder's different and he like showing how like no corners were cut. It was really well done. So I still remember the name of the developer if I need it later, like in terms of to buy a house through through him because it was like he really does a good job. Awesome. So other than that, but if you just have the regular place to show, there's no no need to have someone meet you like that. Yeah. So. Well, nice. Yeah. What let's think what else we got. So then that uh, in terms of actual amenities then. So like hot tub for the building. What else? Yeah, I think people really like a hot tub, a steam like um, sauna and steam room is just kind of expected. I should put it that way. It's not necessarily that it's it's not even necessarily needed. Yeah, it's just expected that has to have a pool, has to have a hot tub, steam room, sauna or it's not luxury. Interesting. You know, um, and but, you know, it all depends on the client, of course. Like I have um, a good handful of clients that are like, I have to have a basketball court. So like there's only five properties, six properties, maybe. And I'm like, pick one of these. Yeah. But you, know? you would. But this interesting point, though, to bring up. But you already would know five properties yep. with basketball courts. Yeah. OK, nice. Because that was like the average person. I know one that does just because I had a friend who lived at Aqua and he had a, a basketball court there, apparently. Yeah. With like low ceilings or something. Yeah. But so it's NEMA, Optima Signature, um, 1000 South Clark and OTP one and two. OK, nice. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah. So like that's like part of the value you bring. Like if that was my requirement, I want to be in Old Town with a basketball court. You'd be like Done. only Old Town Park then. Done. Let's go. Yeah. You know, like there's not, you're wasting but time. But that's like, that's how it is with every single client, every single call, every single time. Yeah. And then it's not only that, but I explain the whole process of working with me. So they know from the start to the finish when it's going to start and when it's going to finish, when my job is over here. And I go into the, I dive into the details with each client and say, okay, you just told me what's most important to you. Now I'm going to email you a handful of options that check all the boxes. You're going to mark your favorites. I'm going to schedule the tours. We're going to go around and take a look at these. I dive into explaining the utilities and stuff like that. I say, you know, most built, if, if you need parking, most buildings, parkings are 275 to $400 a month. That is an, that is the number one amenity needed right now. Parking. Parking. 
Okay. Parking. Where what the building? Every building don't has a wait enough. list for parking. Interesting. Every building has a wait list because everyone got a car in the last year or two. And I think it's because of COVID because people don't yeah. want to take public transportation as much. Yeah. And everyone has a car and everyone needs parking. And now it's $400 a month waitlisted, $500 a month. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. That's I've yeah. It's definitely COVID related, I would say, but it's interesting too. I mean, the city, they kind of, they're like losing control, like the buses and trains here almost though. There is really not yeah. one of my guys who works here was coming back from the airport on the blue line. And it was like, it's like, I was like, I need to get off. This is like not safe. And you know, um, it's like in the middle of the day. I would say the other, like other big amenities that truly matter are like fast internet. So if like, whether it's in the common areas or not, and if you have a utility package that includes internet, people like are like, I have quite a few requests where they're like, I need to have 5G or I can't live there. Or like, I have to have, you know, like the- A certain whatever. speed. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and you would know from talking to people who have lived there, like what the internet's been like or- Yeah, and well, many reasons. Yeah, yeah. and we But could, I already know, like, and I can I already know which ones suck and which yeah. ones. But like NEMA, NEMA is mesh, it's like fiber optic mesh wired entire building. I can ride on the elevator and be on a phone call the whole time. Okay, wow. Same nice. thing with my building that I live in. I can be on the on the phone on my elevator, and to me, it's like priceless. Yeah, it's and just priceless. I'm I live on the on a top floor, and to spend that time in the elevator, and I can just check my emails. I think that's huge. You know. Yeah, because then that that at that point you're on the building Wi-Fi, yeah. and you know it's fast and connects. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that. So then, what what do you think's changed then with the pandemic, like parking? Obviously like dog buildings. run too is a big thing. Like people dog run and bicycle storage, you know, those are like little things, but like people expect those and people really like to have a dog run. Nice. Um, what was your, no, other- keep going. If you had more amenities, that's, I think that's, yeah. Yeah. So if you, like, if you have a dog, it's like required oh, I need um, a dog run electric charging. Oh yeah. Electric like charging should definitely be in every building and you should not be like not having it. It can't, you can't have a building without at least one electric charger. How are you seeing most buildings use the charger? Like one person doesn't just rent a spot with the charger. It's like rotating. Yeah. They rotate and it'll say like right on there, like six hour limit or something like that, you know, and pray to God that people follow along. Is there a cost to use the charger? So some, some buildings it's completely free. Some like my last building that I lived in, we had a, we had charge point was the name of the company that was the EV charger. And, um, I had six hours free a day and then it was like $2 an hour after that, but I never needed more than six hours. So, um, it was free. And then like some buildings like, um, park Fulton over here that just opened, they had EV spots that you could pay three fifty for a designated EV spot. And like, I almost moved in there just for that. That's what I was telling people we should do here. Like we have all the, we just have regular parking at this building and it's like, why would you not get like five like on each side of the building like ev spots and if someone moves in with like a tesla i mean they're kind of trapping them almost like where they're they're like we this building i have a designated tesla charger it's gonna take a lot to move like a lot and then i'm i'm telling you it is money it is money that's what i yeah and i i clearly because i'm not on that side anymore but i don't i like it seems like tesla is very cheap to install like it affordable, like yeah. it's a supercharger. I can charge my car in 15 minutes, a full charge. Like any other charger, it takes six hours. Like 
or yeah. more. So, and right now I don't have any chargers in my garage, so I have to plug into the wall and it is a nightmare oh. and I don't get any juice and people are always parked in the spots that aren't electric cars. And I will say it, I've said like, somebody is going to do this. I hope somebody yeah. does this and I hope it's in West Loop. The first person that opens an parking garage that's all electric is going to be a fucking millionaire. Like, yeah. think about it. And Where you have one garage that everyone can go to, like the whole city is going to go there. You know yeah. what I mean? I have to either go to Burlington, like on Canal. There's a, there a, a supercharger there, there? Yeah. or there's a supercharger at the Mariano's on Clyburn, or there's a superchargers at the Mariano's like way up north. Yeah. Um, I rented a Tesla a couple times when we go down to Phoenix to look at these deals of ours and they, uh, yeah, these chargers are like all full, you know, and it's like you, um, I'm, I'm renting it, so I need to go somewhere, but it's interesting to see how like in heavy use these are and what they put them obviously places people are going parking garages and like shopping centers yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. It's always but, like a mire, like it's always a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of actual amenities, one thing that buildings um like zoom rooms like i feel like people don't do enough private rooms so there's just like oh look at all this work from home space but it's like i am not going to work here when like he's over there screaming at his yeah. like facetime meeting over there you know what i mean like um three three six nine grand and ani property they it's their latest one so it was after covid slash during covid that it opened and they have like six zoom rooms they call them so nice. like you can reserve them or you just first come first serve. They're free to reserve, but like they have a TV and they're private, they're soundproof and like it's awesome. And then they have like two conference rooms and then they have open like areas to work from home. So I think that's one thing that people really like. To yeah. Have so more work. Yeah. More yeah. work from home. Amenities. Work from home and then like rooftops and stuff like outdoor areas for the residents to enjoy. Like, even if you can't do a pool on your property, like then build out the roof deck so that they have like some grills or something to, you know, just add value. Yeah. The tiniest thing, even if you have a property, you can't do any of that, but you were able to like put a fire pit out there or put a grill, like give them the grill, like something like that where yeah, just you're don't adding waste value and your, if you could be charging more depending yeah, on what it is. Don't waste your common area space. Yeah. Don't just have like a empty roof or yeah. a yard or something, put something there. Yeah. So. Cool. Like I'm about to do because I just have, I just had my inspection on a place for myself Okay, nice. in Aberdeen in Washington. Nice. You're, you're moving, you're buying or I'm buying. It. Okay. Nice. Congrats. Yeah. So it's a loft with a uh, roof rights. Sweet. So I have to figure out what I'm going to put up there. Nice. I'll be interested to see that. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that's plenty. Yeah. Good job. Well done. Thanks. So. Nice. Yeah. Just want to um, also too. I mean, obviously let's people listening and watching how, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. That's the easiest way to find me. Stephanie Spenner. Um, S P E N N E R is my last name. And um, you can definitely check out our YouTube channel, live shy TV, or some people pronounce it live chi <laughs> live shy, like Chicago live shy L I V E C H I TV on YouTube. Great. Perfect. Or Instagram. Perfect. Thanks for being Thank on. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us on the Rise and Invest podcast. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. If you'd like to dive even deeper into real estate investing, check out our company's website, riseinvest.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. 
Our 100 plus page passive investing guidebook, our trends report, and our blog are all available on our website. If you are an accredited investor, you can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the invest now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Rise Invest Holdings LLC and its subsidiaries. The views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities and the speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.